Welcome to the Weird History Podcast. I'm Joe Strecker. This is an independent, listener-supported show. To support it, go to weirdhistorypodcast.com. Imagine Thanksgiving, the day of Thanksgiving. You wake up, you have a light breakfast. You got a feast ahead of you, after all. You don't want to overdo it. After your light breakfast, you get to work on food preparation. You take the turkey out of the brine that it's been in overnight. You check in on the chilled pie crust and see how it's doing. You get to work on sides like mashed potatoes, cranberry sauce, and stuffing. Maybe you pour yourself a glass of wine, turn on some music, and have some moments to yourself before family descends upon your home. But there's a knock at the door. Seems a bit early. People aren't supposed to be here yet. You go to see who it could be, and you see three children in front of you. Children in costumes. One is George Washington. Another seems to be dressed up as the devil himself. Still another one of the children is dressed as Popeye, a newly popular comic strip character. The children say to you, Anything for Thanksgiving? You smile. You give them a penny each and send them on their way. They scamper on to your neighbors, asking the same thing. And you do not think that this is weird, because it is New York City in 1910, and small children dressing up in costumes, asking for sweets, treats, and pennies? That's normal for you. That's just part of Thanksgiving. In the late 1800s and early 1900s in New York, Thanksgiving... Thanksgiving did indeed have things like family gatherings and food and all that. But you also had a holiday that looked a lot like Halloween Part 2. More costumes, more revelry, more people going around asking for stuff from neighbors. This is a quote from the New York Times in 1899 describing the revelry on Thanksgiving Day. Quote, the chief feature of the day was the street charavari, that is, the kind of commoner's parade that was going on. Not only of the girls and boys, but of young men and women. Thanksgiving masquerading has never been more universal. Fantastically garbed youngsters and their elders were on every corner of the city. Not a few of the maskers and mummers wore disguises that were recognized as typifying a well-known character or myth. Now, I'm going to stop here and also mention that an unfortunate part of all this delightful revelry was that a common thing for people to do was dress up as people of other races. Uh, blackface was really common. Dressing up as Native Americans was really common. Keep in mind as I read this next section. There were Faust, Filipinos, Mephistos, Boers, Uncle Sams, John Bulls, Harlequins, Bandits, Sailors, Soldiers in khaki suits, Deweys and Columbines, that is, prominent politicians from the time, that well supported their roles. The mummery, as a rule, was limited to boys in women's skirts or in masks. In the poorer quarters, a smear of burned cork and a dab of vermilion sufficed for babbling celebrants. Some of the masqueraders were on bicycles, others on horseback, a few in vehicles. All had a great time. The good-humored crowd abroad was generous with pennies and nickels, 
and the candy stores did a land office business, unquote. But why? How did this get started? Where did it come from? The idea of celebrating the harvest with a big meal seems intuitive. After all, you've just harvested a bunch of food, done terrible things to a turkey, and put in a lot of work as you've prepared for the winter. It is natural that many societies would independently have harvest festivals where they celebrated by eating a whole bunch of what they just produced. But why the mummery? Why the stuff in the streets? Well, that all seems to have been imported by immigrants who came into New York at the end of the 1800s and early 1900s. Uh, what I'm about to read here is from a column from 1911 from a newspaper called The Freelance, and this is from a syndicated column by a guy called Wilton Markham, and apparently this was syndicated all over the place. He writes, quote, In addition to eating turkey and incidentally being grateful for past mercies, New York has a Thanksgiving Day custom that is observed in few, if any, other commonalities in America. It is a masker's parade, indulged in chiefly by the children, but also enjoyed and in many ways participated in by the grown-ups. The custom is believed to have been originated by the foreign-born population of the big city, who, while they have no Thanksgiving in their own lands, make use of other holidays for carnival masquerades, and seized upon Thanksgiving for that purpose after coming to America. From them, it spread to some extent to the Native Americans. That is, people born in America, not, you know, Native Americans. You, you get the idea. And now is generally observed throughout Greater New York. On that one day, at least the children literally can take possession of the streets, ride all over the streetcars, even on the fenders, impersonate Uncle Sam and George Washington and other characters that they fancy, dress in all sorts of costumes, that of the ragamuffin having the preference, mask, black their faces, parade, blow horns, ride sorry horses, prance astride of broomsticks, and generally enjoy themselves to the limit of their temporary liberty. Unquote. Now, when I was looking into this, I was not able to find a definitive answer as to where this tradition came from. But this supposition that it was an immigrant import makes a lot of sense, because one thing that's common of a lot of older non-American holidays is that they are a time to suspend social norms. You have Carnival or Mardi Gras, for instance, and those celebrations are all about not being constrained by normal, everyday things. With festivals like that, you have a lot of suspension of social norm. People of different classes mingle together. People wear clothing they normally wouldn't. It could be a disguise, or it could be wearing clothing of a gender that is not yours. People behave in public in ways that you would never behave. Maybe you're a bit drunker. Maybe you're dancing a bit more. Maybe you're just generally feeling swaggery because it's a special day. The wild rumpus has started, and you're feeling good. And as I was reading up on this, something that struck me is that in the United States, almost none of our holidays are like that. Halloween certainly allows for all kinds of public revelry. My neighborhood was awash and small children and some adults, dressed up in crazy costumes going around asking for candy, and it was great. St. Patrick's Day also affords a certain amount of public revelry, but it's by no means universal. It's not something that really 
captures the spirit of a city. Mainly, it seems to just make Irish pubs in town much more crowded. I suppose New Year's Eve has a bit of that, but really, Easter? Valentine's Day? Memorial Day? Fourth of July? Christmas? Our activities during those holidays are fairly insular, family-focused. We have a cookout on the 4th of July with our family and friends. We go out with our significant others on Valentine's Day. We bring the entire family together for Christmas, but there's not really a big transformation of the world outside. As much as Christmas music and decorations may dominate the season, it does not seem nearly as transformative as those descriptions of New York on Thanksgiving Day when mummery and madness was the rule which I think is kind of a shame. I try not to get nostalgic about the past that I talk about on this podcast, but I would love to have another Halloween. And you're probably wondering what ended this tradition. Well, we don't know. Maybe it was people having less of a connection to their European heritage as the first generation of immigrants ended up passing away in New York City. There might be another explanation, though. You see, in the 1920s and 1930s, something else started happening on Thanksgiving. Parades, sponsored by department stores. The first one was in 1924, sponsored by Bomberger's Department Store in Newark, New Jersey. Soon, in the 1930s, a much larger store in neighboring New York called Macy's would take that idea and make it even bigger. In 1931, a giant black-and-white Felix the Cat balloon flew over New York City, eclipsing the city and eclipsing the parade of children and commoners and mummers that used to be such a common sight. The Macy's Thanksgiving Parade was big, it was organized, it had money behind it, and it it seems to have crowded out folk traditions— that crossed the Atlantic Ocean and made their way to America. So thanks, Macy's. Thanks for having your parade, what is essentially a giant advertisement for your department store, take the place of bonus Halloween. Yeah, thanks for that. Anyway, as always, this is a listener-supported podcast. So go to weirdhistorypodcast.com to become a monthly supporter. I am thankful for all of you who do that immensely. Uh, Also, go to Apple Podcasts. Give us stars and reviews. Those help other people find the show. Give us five stars. Write a review talking about how great the show is, all of it. I am on social media, at Joe Streckert on Twitter. That's at J-O-E-S-T-R-E-C-K-E-R-T. And the show is on Facebook, facebook.com slash Weird History Podcast. Thank you all very much for listening. Talk to you next time. Bye.